on the floor. Now my jewelry box froze. Fuck a bowl, fuck a stove. Counted millions in a cold. Bad bitch, booted swole. Got her on bankroll. Can't fold, that's a no. Headshot, case closed. What is up, guys? It's Andy Priscilla, and this is the show for the realest sake of the lies, the fakeness, and delusions of modern society. And welcome to motherfucking reality, guys. Today we have Andy and DJ cruise the motherfucking internet. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to cruise the internet. That's what CTI stands for. It stands for cruise the internet if you're a little slow. We'll help you out. you get you caught up. Uh, what we do during this show is we put up topics on the screen uh, that are going on in the world, and then we break them down. We speculate on what's true on what's not true. And then we talk about how we, the people can be the solution to the problems going on in the world. Other times, when you tune in, we have a a variety, a plethora of shows to choose from. We have Q&AF. That's a personal development show where you get to ask questions and uh, we give you the answers. So you can submit your questions to be answered live on the show, and the questions could be about anything. It could be about business, life, personal development, what's going on in the world, what do I think of Grimace? I don't care. You ask me whatever the fuck you want, all right? You can submit your questions a couple different ways. The first way is, guys, you can email those questions in to askandy at andyforsella.com. The second way is if you go on YouTube and you uh, go in the Q&AF episodes and you drop your questions right there in the comment section, we'll pick some from there to answer as well. Other times, you're going to hear Real Talk. Real Talk is similar to what we just posted yesterday. If you haven't checked that out, go check that out. Um, It's just five to 20 minutes of me giving you some Real Talk. And then we have what's called 75 Hard Verses. Now, 75 Hard Verses is based on the 75 Hard program. And the 75 Hard program is the initial phase of the Live Hard program. A lot of people don't really understand what Live Hard is, but if you go listen to episode 208, and you, uh, it's on the audio feeds, by the way, it's not on YouTube, but episode 208, you'll get the program for free, both 75 Hard and Live Hard. It'll explain to you what it does. It is the world's only transformative mental toughness program. Uh, it's highly successful. You've probably heard about it. It's spread all over, and people call it a trend, but you know, trends don't typically grow year after year uh, for four and a half years straight. That's called something that works. And if you want to fix your shit, there's nothing better to do it. So go check out episode 208 on the audio feed and uh, get your shit straight. Now, guys, we do have, as we occasionally do, a very special guest joining us for this CTI. Um, Good buddy of mine, uh, been a friend of mine for a long time, uh, Mr. Nick Jones. What's happening, brother? What's going on, Andy? Thanks for you? having me. I'm good, man. How are you? Good. Now, you guys think this is just my buddy, but in reality, Nick has a crazy story to tell. Um, he's a Navy Cross recipient. And if you know what the Navy Cross is, the Navy Cross is the medal that is right below the Medal of Honor. And the way that he earned that cross is something that we're going to talk about a little bit before we get the show going. So, um, Let's talk about that. Let's, where do you want to start? Well, um, man. I mean, where did, I you, was... where, where, did you, where did you begin your military career? What made you decide you wanted to join the military? So, I mean, considering the date, um, three days ago, what, 22 years? Mm-hmm. Um, 9-11 happened. I was very young. I was probably fourth grade, fifth grade, and... As soon as that happened in my life, 
I started to follow the Iraq and Afghanistan invasion. Um, my sister is nine years older than me, so a bunch of her friends started joining, and I was watching, following them. And then growing up in Kansas City, just right down the road from you guys, I mean, I thought I experimented with all sorts of other drugs and alcohol at a younger age and yeah. i was just like you know lived what? a typical midwestern upbringing <laughs> right yeah yeah so it's like all right like i'm i'm already living that war path and you know i want to go fight for this country and yeah. that's just what was like in my blood and so i joined i actually i ended up going to this alternative school i almost dropped out of high school but i was like i need my my degree so then i can go into the marine corps and um as soon as I graduated December 09, I left in January of 2010 to go to boot camp. So as soon as I turned 18, I went, shipped off. I started my career in Camp Pendleton as a infantry Marine. Um, I was a mortarman at the beginning. So basically just dropping bombs and tubes and hitting people from far distances. Um, I... I did a deployment as a mortarman and then I saw these snipers running around in their ghillie suits and I was like, I, I want to try out for that. Like, that's what I got to go do. Mm -hmm. So as soon as we got back, I, I tried out for the sniper platoon and we're running around all over Camp Pendleton and uh, starting to do a workup for the next deployment to Afghanistan. And I start seeing all of these signs around the base for MARSOC. And I was like, what is MARSOC? I knew what recon was, which was like, what started MARSOC back in the day, um, MARSOC is the Marine Special Operations Command. So if you think about, most people still don't know who we are. Um, I think we're, it was started in 2006. Um, so it's very new, but it's an up and coming special operations community basically. So but this would be equivalent to like? Green Berets or Navy SEALs, right. um, Air Force PJs, things like that. Okay. But yeah, so we, we mirror pretty much identically for a Green Beret uh, team. Okay. So now it's evolved into something that's pretty amazing. There's all sorts of different teams, and they're all regionally aligned to different different areas. Uh, I was specifically in a jump team, so we did a lot of, like, advanced free fall stuff, um, jumping from 29,000 feet. And every time, I'm up, up, every time I'm up in a uh, commercial – Plane. I'm looking down. I'm like, man, I've I've jumped from this high. This Do you have to have like a, a mask on and everything oh, for yeah. that? Yeah, we pre-breathe on oxygen the whole way up, and then um, getting ready, suiting up in the plane, and then putting oxygen on before we jump out. It's really cool because then badass. by the time you jump out, like we open really high as well, and uh, you're you're sitting there floating under this parachute, seeing the curvature of the earth, and just hanging out. It's freezing cold. Bro, up you're there. gonna have all the flat earthers mad about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've, seen, I've yeah. seen this shit. <laughs> um, yeah, so anyways, like I, you know, basically wanted, I continued to search for more in my career. Mm. I Once I made it to the sniper community, I was like, this is great, but I, I know that there's more. I want to go try out for the, the next best thing. So I tried out for Marsoc in 2013. I moved really quick. I tried to move as fast as I could because I was like, I... I just felt the potential. I felt mm -hmm. the growth happening and I, I knew I had this like leadership mentality that I, I needed to let like eat. Um, so I, I took selection in 2013. That was six weeks long. It was pretty gruesome. Uh, lots of ruck running, lots of running, lots of carrying heavy weight and just moving through the woods. And what's the ruck running like? I got to know about this. 
It's so we have forty five pound rucks yeah. without or before food and water. Okay. Um, and then like if you're like me, I drink a lot of water when I'm moving. And I don't like to be without it because there was a mission in Afghanistan where I where my team ran out of water and then we got extended two more days and it was just a fucking rough, rough day, uh, rough couple days. And um, so I, I moved with a lot of water on me. And basically we do a timed four, eight, 10 and 12 mile ruck run. And the 12 miler is what normally gets people, mm -hmm. especially because we start so late and then we end when it's still dark and it's like, dudes are just going and it's like the super long, like dreadful trail that you're on. And it's just like never ending. But you know, that's when that mental, mental fortitude kicks in. And it's just like, I got to keep going. I got to keep going. What's the time on a 12 hour ruck run? I think you had to complete it in under two and a half hours holy shit yeah so you're really running you gotta move yeah you have to move yeah and, and that's an awkward run dude because i've been secretly okay i've been you don't know this <laughs> but i've actually been trying to run with my ruck yeah because i get so tired of all these people out here bragging about all their running i've determined that i'm going to learn how to run like properly yeah and so I'm like, fuck it. I'll learn to run with my ruck on and then it'll, it'll be that much cooler. Yeah. So I've been doing it and it's really fucking hard to do, bro. Yeah. Cause the shit's bouncing on you the whole time. It's really, it's a, it's like an uncomfortable thing. What do you just get used to that? You do find like a rhythm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's like a 12 and a half minute mile. Yeah. Right? You're cruising dude. Like that's, yeah. that's fast. Yeah. You can't, if you're walking, you're, you have to speed walk. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a hustle. Moving. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. So. It is, dude. Like I, I would say that you get used to it, but it sucks every time you do it. Yeah. Like I don't know. I, I mean, you got to be a psychopath if you think that it's like no that. big deal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are some dudes that will book it. I mean, yeah. like running faster than I run without. Bro, did my you see Will? On. Did you see what Will did out there? No. So Will did a hundred pound mile, and did it in like eight. What was it? Eight minutes? Like. Like I said, psychopaths. Like, yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're one of those guys. Bro, I couldn't even run an eight-minute mile with, with no, no weight. Yeah. Like, I really couldn't do it. It's yeah. hard. Man. Yeah. I'm totally green when it comes to that. Yeah. But that's crazy. It's wild. Well, I got a new goal. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. For real. So. So, so you joined Marsock. So, Marsock. So, I want how do we get to this picture? And so, for those mm. of you guys at, at home, this is, uh, this is when you receive. Yeah. Your, your Navy. How, how do we get to this picture here? So, January 2020. Um, this is it'll be my third deployment with my my Raider team. So, when you get in there, you're called a Marine Raider. Um, I was an element leader, which I'm basically in charge of, like four other guys in my team. But I was one of the more senior combat, like veteran guys in my team. So. Um, Whenever we got to Iraq, we were still hunting ISIS. And, you know, it's it's 2020. At the beginning of it, when I got there, the world was still somewhat put together. Mm -hmm. um, the team that we had just replaced there actually lost one of their highest enlisted guys um, on a mission in August. So when we were getting ready for our turnover, we were like, hey, man, like, there's shit still happening. There's still combat happening overseas. No matter what you see on the news, like there, there's dudes fighting and there's dudes that are dying. And a lot of my guys have never been to combat. Before, yeah. And so. at this point they're not even talking about it anymore. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. And so, you know, it was, uh, 
it was a real thing getting into it and what isis had now come down to is basically like i mean they were damn near getting close to a conventional force they were running they had like a whole governance established and all of this stuff they started as an insurgency and the way that they move up well now they're back they were basically back down to an insurgency so now they're hiding out in caves they're in these little sleeper cells all over the big cities and mm -hmm. so our task when we were there was to hunt them and find them and kill them take care of them however we we can we found ourselves being tasked with a lot of like cave and tunnel clearances mm -hmm. that's not something that we've really even messed with since vietnam like mm -hmm. all the tunnel rats and things like that so it was it was interesting especially in as a special operations team like we work in a very small capacity with we have we have assets but um basically we had to get creative with explosives with the way that we enter with the way that we engage with our partner force so now we're teaching them to be able to crawl into these tunnels and clear these things out so we have done several of them at this point and it was late february and my team gets tasked with this really large cave clearance operation we'd been watching this thing for i think weeks at this point all they've seen was seven isis fighters coming in and out of these caves they've seen seven entrances and it looked like a pretty straightforward mission it, it was on the side of this mountain and i i had a, a pretty pretty good plan i think um we had it all set up we were going to drop 2000 pound bombs on every cave entrance right before we entered so it was like all right cool like the ground's going to be softened up dudes are probably going to be concussed we are we already knew that it wasn't going to kill them we've been in caves before like you strike it with a with a bomb it's only going to hit the surface it's not going to penetrate in there and mm -hmm. actually like kill the dudes um but we had snipers in place we had machine gunners in place and um my team flies in they start dropping bombs I guess let me back up because so I told you that they had only seen seven guys at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Well, 24 hours before we were about to leave, we tell our partner force what we're going to go do. They knew that we'd been doing rehearsals for something. They didn't know where we were going. So within that 24 hours before we were about to leave, the intelligence starts coming back like, hey, now there's 10 guys there. Now there's 11. Now there's 12. We're about mm -hmm. two hours before we're going to leave. There's 19 motherfuckers on the ground. And how many, how many on your... We have a lot. Okay. We had... Um, but, the, but the numbers are building up. Yeah, I yeah. mean, yeah, so... And in the planning, you basically have these go and no-go criterias. And a no-go criteria is, like, if they reinforce to double their size. Well, they're over double. And they were like, we're still going. Mm -hmm. Which, as killers, you know, we're like, let's fucking go. Mm -hmm. I'm ready. Like, I'm ready to go do my job. But now it's real. And we know that we're going to get into a fight. Um. So once we land, they're hitting this shit. They're really softening it up for us. Um, bombs are making good impacts. Snipers engage some dudes, kill some guys. Uh, machine gunners let loose, and they kill some guys as well. Uh, but now there's no real, like, head count. We don't know how many guys are still alive. We don't know what's still out there. And I'm leading the, the patrol down. Once we land in our helicopters, I think I have like 50 Iraqis with me. Oh, shit. Um, and then there's probably 20 U.S. And uh, so we start walking down the mountain, and you can still see the plumes of smoke from the bombs that had just been dropped. Uh, it was pretty, pretty wild. 
once we reach a certain point, I call up to the support by fire, which is like the the machine gunners and the snipers. And I was like, hey, when I reach this point, I need you guys to just start shooting because I'm going to start making noise and walking up to where I need to go. So they do. They actually engage a couple more bad guys in that movement, which was pretty cool. I, I throw some smokes and then pop up on these rocks. And as soon as we get up there, we start seeing the first caves. But at this point, people in the back are starting to get kind of antsy. They want to go do work as well. And mm -hmm. we got a lot of fucking guys. So my team chief, which was the highest enlisted guy in my team, um, he was a gunnery sergeant. So one rank higher than me, but still like a very senior guy in, in the team. Um, said, hey, I, I see something over here. I want to split off and go take care of this real quick. I tried to tell him no. Like, just wait. We're almost done clearing this um, this cave out. I was literally had hands on this dead ISIS fighter, like pulling all of this stuff out of his pockets, getting his fingerprints and whatnot, whatever right. we do to, to the um, sensitive Proce exploitation. Processing. Yeah, processing, yeah. exactly. So once... He continues to go do what he thought he needed to go do. He breaks off um, and takes about half of the patrol. And the reason why you don't really do that is, like, you start getting sucked in. You see more and more things, and then basically, like, now he's got a other assault force that's completely detached from the original plan. Mm -hmm. And they start getting further sucked down and down into this mountain. Well, now the support by fire can't see them anymore. I can't see them anymore. They're basically in the middle of us. And I was like, okay, like they, they can do this. We're all trained for this. We all know what to do. Let's just keep fucking going. I go up to this next cave. I had just thrown in this, this grenade in, inside. Um, it's kind of like our, our SOP, our standard operating procedure. Let's just throw something in there, soften it up, peek our head in there and see, um, see what we got. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I do that huge explosion, it's called an ASM round, an anti-structural munition. It's almost a full pound of C4, which is a fucking, it's a pretty big bang in this little little grenade. But it covers everything in dust, and I peek up, and I look at him, and there's this dead ISIS fighter in there, completely white, covered in dust. And I'm, this guy's face is going to be forever ingrained in my, in my memory, because as I'm staring at him, he's fully kitted out. He's still got his rifle, like, right there. He's got an M16. There's an AK there. There's a, a PKM, which is a belt-fed machine gun that's mounted into the wall that's looking down into the valley. Like, they were ready for us. Yeah. They were ready for a fucking fight. But as I'm staring at this guy, I'm like, okay, I'm going to make entry into this cave. I just hear this fucking hell break loose behind me. Machine guns, grenades, like, all of this, like, chaos. And I was like, holy crap. Like, these guys are in contact, and they're calling it in contact five meters 20 meters, five meters, and then it's just like there's a casualty. And uh, at first I didn't know who it was, if it was partner force, if it was one of us, if it was a – we had some French guys with us. Um, and then a couple seconds later, there's an eagle down, and an eagle is a U.S. service member. And uh, freaking gut drops, and I was like, oh, my God. It's fine. They got it. They got it under control. And then – not even a second later, there's another eagle down. And I was like, I just got the goosebumps. I was like, oh, shit. And uh, 
I turned around and I look at my Iraqis and I was like, hey, you guys stay here. You need to watch this cave. I got to go. And I just ran as fast as I could. And they call these, the, I mean, it was probably the most untactful way that I could get there, but I, I ran up and over this finger of this mountain. I ran by like two other caves that I didn't know if they'd been cleared or not. And yeah. there's blankets and there's like little hidey positions in there. So I just shoot a couple rounds through each one of those. And I'm just like, I got a fucking mission and I got to get the, these guys as fast as I can. And I get down there and everybody is frozen. Nobody knew what to do, but there's a fuck ton of gunfire going off still. And I was like, yo, where are the casualties? Like, what's going on? Tell me something. And it's just like, dudes are like ghosts. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know what the fuck to do. So I throw my ruck off and I jump into where I hear the fire coming from. And there's one guy in there fighting and it's a French guy. I start asking him what, what the deal is. He can't even speak English. I'm like, okay, guns pointed this way. Bad guys are this way. So, I mean, the walls are close. They're closer than these walls here. And there's boulders, rocks, everything. And I get a wild hair at my ass and I start crawling up these rocks and uh, I still have my like NVGs up on my head and I pop up over this rock and I see this massive cave entrance that's just stacked with rocks, like a big ass bunker. Um, as soon as it sees, I see it, it's, they see me and immediate machine gun fire, like makes me get my head down. And I see, as I popped my head up, I saw a body right up there and I was like, well, there's no way this dude's alive. If they're shooting this much at me, like there's no fucking way. This is one of our guys. I didn't know at the okay. time. And, uh, so this French guy starts yelling. He's yelling something, and I, later I found out he's telling this person to roll. He's saying it in French, but whatever he was saying, he's just like, roll, roll, roll. And all of a sudden, I see these legs fly up in the air. And my first instinct was like, I need to go grab him. So I just chicken wing my gun, basically just put my buttstock under my, my armpit and run up there. And I'm shooting with one hand, and I grab this dude with the other, just shooting as fast as I could pull him down and like push him down off of these rocks and then get him down to this other French guy and he grabs him and I'm dumping rounds. I have to reload real quick and still shooting. And, uh, finally like dudes woke up, they fucking pulled him out and he was shot through and through in the left leg and shot in the top of the head. Luckily he was alive. He was a French operator, um, French special operator. And I was like, okay, you said there's two other casualties. You said there's two Americans. Where the fuck are the other guys? And this is after I had gotten out of that situation. And they're like, I think that they're up there in front of the cave. And I was like, well, there's no fucking way I can get there from here. So I basically got out of that situation. I went and I walked on top of the cave now. Like they're like in this like nasty cut ravine thing. And basically I'm on top of the roof now. And uh, how far below below you are they? It was probably four feet. Oh, okay. So you're like right on top. I am right on top got of it. it. Like they could hear everything I was doing. Right. So when I got there, I, I talked to my snipers and they were like walking me on to exactly where to walk. So then I didn't like have to like come over and like look around the edge and do this. Like I wanted to be right on top and they walked me right up to it. And as I get closer and closer, I see, I start to see the the aftermath down there and I see one body and the first body that I see I'm like there's no fucking way this dude's alive um just by the looks of it I could I could confirm right he was there just dead. he was dead yeah. and then I move up just a little bit more and I see my other teammate and he it was almost convincing that he was alive so I said his name a few times he was sitting upright his eyes were still open 
was almost in the position there. He was pushing back because he was still fighting. And, um, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's it right there. Um, so yeah, I see him. And then basically when I confirmed that they were both dead, I was like, fuck, uh, I'm, I pushed back. I called over the radio. I said, Hey, sir, um, this is what's happened. Mo and Diego are gone. They're dead. And he's like, what do you mean? It's like, I, I just told you, like, they're gone. He's like, you need to go back and confirm. I was like, I'm telling you right now, sir, they are dead. And it was the hardest thing that I've had to do, you know, but it was like, I need to make a new plan. Mm -hmm. Like, it's no longer like hunting ISIS. It's now a recovery mission. So I had a bunch of grenades on me still. And I was like, I'm just going to go back up there. I'm going to do everything I can. I'm going to jump down there and pull these dudes out. It'll be done. So I go up and I basically lay on top of their roof and I start leaning over like you're going to look underneath a desk and uh, I start chucking grenades in. And like I could literally see the whites of their eyes when I would fucking look down there and chuck these grenades and they would just be shooting up at me. And now we start taking shots from the other side of the valley and we find out that they've got fighting positions all over like looking at this one main trap, this one main bunker. And, uh, so I throw a few grenades in there, still getting shot at. I'm like, dude, I can't get down here. So I call an Apache, um, an attack helicopter. Basically I said, Hey, like I first called the JTAC and, uh, the joint terminal air controller. And I was like, Hey, I need you to help me like thread some bombs through this fucking cave. And he's like, okay, well, like, you need to talk to this guy. I don't know exactly where you need me to put it. And so I was like, okay, like, helicopter, you see me? I'm standing on the cave right now. Here's your grid. Fucking shoot this, please. And he's like, okay. Like four like, feet low. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And don't so, fucking shoot me. Yeah. So he's like, okay, well, you need to move. And I was like, well, yeah, no shit. So, and I go and I move. He's like, I can still see you. You need to move farther. I was like, dude, I am low on water. I'm low on ammunition. I'm tired as fuck. I'm not moving anymore. I'll hide behind this rock. And he's like okay, I'll let it rip. So they shot 220, 30 millimeter rounds in there. And the snipers were like, there's no effect. Rocks didn't move. Nothing fucking happened. I was like, thread a hellfire in there, please. <laughs> With all due respect, fucking do it. Yeah. And uh, they did. And still nothing, man. I went back up there. I tried again. I threw some more grenades in there and I was still getting some gnarly fucking feedback. Like they were still shooting at us from every angle. How, how was it that that missile didn't do anything? If you could see a photo of this cave, like they had these rocks and like, it was such a small cutout. Um, I don't, I don't know. I personally didn't get to enter the yeah. cave. Um, later that night, a, a few dudes did, um, from Delta force. Some guys came in that night and actually got to recover our guys. So super thankful for them and what they do and how fucking hard they train. Like, yeah. Um, so basically I went back up there. I tried a couple more times and I was almost at the point where I was like, man, I, I don't know what else to do. If I tell him to go down there, he's got two kids. He's got a kid. Like I'm going to get other people killed. Mm -hmm. Like I'd rather keep trying this for myself. And I went back up there for the last time 
we're shooting, we're throwing more grenades in there, and the next thing you know, it's just like, bam. It's like, holy fuck, what was that? I got shot. I had, like, no other, I get down, I, like, kind of roll back, and I was like, I, my leg is burning. It's on fire right now. Now, where they hit you? Right in the, in the shin, in my right shin, and I didn't see a bunch of blood at the beginning, and I look down, I'm like, man, I, I feel like I'll be okay. I try to walk over to my medic and I was like, my leg was burning. Yeah. Like I didn't know if I broke something or what happened. And I get over there and he looks at it and it's already super swollen and just a little tiny trickle of blood coming out. It almost looked like I got like shot by a BB. Uh Like, so something was lodged in my leg, like made it super swollen right off the bat, but I couldn't put any weight on it. And, uh, so he's, I went over to the medic. I was like, Hey dude, I, I think I just got shot. He's like, what do you mean you think you got shot? I was like, I don't know. My leg hurts. It's fucking bleeding. Check like me out. Blood. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's like, all right, let me check it out. So he looks, he's like, yeah, sure. Shit. So I, I basically called up to the commander and I was like, Hey man, like we need a new plan. Their plan was to fucking drop a bomb on it. And I'm like, dude, no, you have two Americans sitting at the base of this cave. You cannot do that. Like that not, not going to happen. We need another plan. And I'm a staff sergeant telling high-ranking officers what to do. Yeah, There's other high-ranking individuals out there that weren't really taking command. And mm-hmm. it was just like, dude, I'm, I'm an, I felt capable, but I'm like, I'm a low-ranking guy. There's a command structure for a reason. Why am I the one fucking stepping up to make these calls and telling officers no on certain things? Um, it's interesting how people respond to those types of situations it, it really you never really know until you're in it yeah and it's like dudes can respond one way in training and then it's like once the real things are happening that's where yeah some dudes will just shut down mm-hmm. um but so they they basically made the call they were going to wait for the quick reaction force to come in the qrf and once they showed up, they were like, okay, well, let's just watch the cave for a while, make sure that nobody fucks with our guys, and wait for the special mission unit to come in. So that the Delta Force unit came in that night. Um, they got into a gnarly firefight, uh, killed like four more bad guys inside the cave. They made entry in there, and then a suicide vest cranked off in there. Um, blowing. Luckily, no other U.S. dudes got injured. Um, I think a couple dudes did take, I don't know, maybe a couple cuts and scratches or whatever, but, um, the only, are those suicide vests like filled with like shrapnel and stuff like that? Like just like you see on TV. Yeah. 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 It's wild, man. Like beads. Um, I don't know, like marbles. Yeah. Yeah. Ball bearings. Yeah. Nails, like all sorts of nasty shit, depending Mm -hmm. on like who, what, who the maker is, Mm -hmm. they'll have their own like taste on what they want to put in there. Um, working with like the EOD techs, like the explosive ordnance disposal guys, I got to experience a lot of like working with that stuff and explosives. So I would help them like, uh, blow in place a lot of stuff. We call it bipping. So like we would take like suicide vests and all sorts of other shit that they had made and like blow them up where they were. So nobody could use them anymore, but it was just wild. You dissect these things and see like they're putting fucking nails in there. They're putting all sorts of like rusted out, screws and weird shit yeah so it just like wreaks havoc on whatever it hits so yeah um once i got medevaced like the the terrain was so steep they 
basically they had to bring down a hoist. So um, a helicopter lowered down this wire and they, this medic picked me up from the side of the mountain, picked me up, take, took me to the hospital. And uh, um, I was sitting next to the French guy in there, his legs blown out. And I got this little pinprick in my leg and like the doctors are like, oh, you'll be fine, man. Like you'll be walking in two weeks. No problem. Two weeks come by still can't walk still on crutches and i i basically told my team i was like hey man like i I can't do this anymore um i need to go get more help so went and tried to get more help and had to get back to the states and now um it's april 1st by the time i get back home april 1st of 2020 and it's a fucking ghost town everywhere Mm -hmm. covid was running rampant through the middle east Mm -hmm. covid is now taking over the states um so this picture right here is when i landed in wilmington um my wife and maybe two other friends were there to greet me nobody from the marine corps nobody from the government nobody from my team most of my team was still deployed but Mm -hmm. like um because they couldn't Mm -hmm. because of covid Mm -hmm. yeah just like and we couldn't have funerals yeah just like people had to die over a zoom call just like a lot of bullshit oh yeah yeah and they made me go straight home and quarantine for two weeks no visitors no phone calls no fucking nothing spending a lot of time on my couch looking like a couch potato and uh i had to coordinate my own travel up to walter reed every time for my surgeries for all of that stuff and uh go get my surgeries still no real check-in still no heads up what's up how you doing thank you for what you did uh nothing i guess you know it's like whatever i i did my job i'm Mm -hmm. gonna get back out there i'm gonna my goal was to get surgery and go back out to country because we Mm -hmm. i got shot in march we just got there in january so i'd only been there two months and uh after that first surgery man it was like there's fucking no way like in the back of my head i was like i want to get back there but i i doubt it um and what did they find was going on with your leg it so whenever i got hit basically whatever went in there like shrapneled out or splintered out and destroyed my superficial peroneal nerve and which is one of your main sensory nerves in your leg and so it was just causing all of this crazy pain and then i ended up getting this rare symptom syndrome called complex regional pain syndrome so it basically took over my sympathetic nervous system and like started like every time i would get mad sad angry or depressed like my leg would flare up i could literally feel it and mm. see it and it was just That's it was wild. fucking insane i didn't really believe that stuff i like i was very much a part of that whole like it sounds fucked up but like i didn't think that ptsd was real because I kind of thought like, oh, well, those dudes are too weak. They just couldn't handle combat. They couldn't handle yeah, stress. Yeah, man they the fuck up. Yeah. Right. And it was just like, here's a fucking straw, dude. Suck it up. Yeah. But then when this happened, this was literally the straw that broke the camel's back because it was like, I I cried almost every single day after that. Like all of those images were burned into my brain. Like then I get this, like I was at the peak physical performance of my fucking career. And now it's like, I get shot. I can barely walk like my wife literally one of your athletes literally carried me inside when I had this I had this infection in my leg I was six surgeries deep thinking that I was going to be able to run like 
a week before that and I get this fucking gnarly infection in my leg that nearly kills me. I went septic. I got 106 fever. I was like, oh, I'm God. about to die. I made it through all of this shit. Now I'm about to die from this from an thing. infection. Yeah. And I, so like, yeah, she, what badass you are. Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? God damn. And so she carries me inside and I was like, this is a low point in my life, but it's, I mean, at least I got a strong wife to be able to do it. So yeah, she's well, how she carries you wasn't bad. I feel like the, the we saw it. She, yeah. I think she posted it. Or yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It wasn't our video, like, our camera, wasn't like, you know, like, like, like a baby. Yeah. Like, I mean, that, that's still respectable. <laughs> well, let's be real, bro. It's not like she's like some like weak ass woman either. No, yeah. Very athletic, very <laughs> yeah. strong and very no bullshit. Oh yeah. 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 And man, like if I like got to give credit to anybody, it's, it's her because yeah. Every surgery, everything that I went through, she was right there. She was, I mean, every second of the day, like whatever I needed, I was right there. And I didn't really do a very good job at giving her what she deserved at that time because it was booze, it was drugs, it was whatever I could to stop feeling this pain yeah. and misery. And, um, you know, it actually was what really woke me up is I, I got notified that I was going to get awarded the Navy Cross. And I was like, holy shit, man, like this award doesn't just get handed out like this is the real fucking deal. Like I fantasized about people who would get these awards and I was like, that is so badass. And then as soon as they told me that I was getting this thing, I was like, this isn't cool anymore. Like, I don't I don't really want this. I'd rather have these dudes back. I'd rather not have that like right. detriment on my my soul. And uh, it was December 21 january of 22 i started to become extremely suicidal um because they had told me or i had just received the navy cross august 26th of 2021 and that was actually the same day that 13 marines were killed in the kabul um, the Afghanistan yeah withdrawal yeah so like i'm prepping for my speech for the navy cross ceremony and I get a phone call from the secretary of the Navy and he says, Hey, Staff Sergeant Jones, like, I'm sorry, but I'm sure you heard, but there was just this bombing in Afghanistan and I won't be able to make it because these 13 Marines just died. And I was, I was bummed. I was shocked. I was obviously feeling sorry for them, but also reliving everything that I had just gone through. And I'm like, fuck man, like because of everything in the world that was going on when my team got killed or when my teammates got killed, nobody fucking knew about it. Nobody even bat an eye about it. It was on the news for maybe 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. Nobody knew that another U.S. force dude got shot. Like, I mean, there's still people fucking figuring out what happened on that day when my team got hit. And it was like a very intense, like, I, I, I mean, we still lost American lives and nobody fucking knew about it. Yeah. We were still over there. We were fighting ISIS. We were actively hunting dudes and nobody fucking knew. Mm -hmm. And I was just, I was just kind of shocked again. I was like, dude, it's, it's happening again. Like the dude's not going to come here because something else in the world is, you know, it's happening and that that's life. But I actually got a call again from him in like 20 minutes. He's like, you know what? He's like, I actually, he's like, we lose guys often unfortunately he's like but it's not every day that we get to award somebody for the things that they've done he's like so we just fired up the helicopter we'll be there in a little bit i was like holy fuck like that's wild um 
That's a lot of ebbs and flows of just it, emotions. It was, man. And it was just like. That was a traumatic day for, I think, everybody. I can't imagine. Yeah. Like seeing when, like, like seeing the, the, the aftermath of, those, of that bombing and then seeing those guys like fall from the airplanes and shit that day. Like that's like, yeah. like that was traumatic for me and I didn't have any skin in that. You know what yeah. I mean? I can't imagine what that's like yeah. for you. And it's like everybody's, you know, bringing up the whole like, you know, we, we fought there for 20 years. Like, what are we doing? What are we throwing away? And it's just like, man, we we lost a lot of fucking guys and we we lost them on the fucking last day that we were there too. And it's just like, what are we, what, what is this still going on for? And it's right. like, it was, it was, it was super fucking hard because it's like, we fought for so much and now it's like, you're pulling out like this and you're fucking making us look like chumps, dude. Um, so it, it was definitely hard. It was cool though, that they actually were able to come and recognize this and we were actually able to talk about it on that day too and um actually on it was actually on 9 11 um in 21 i went up to walter reed and got to visit those guys and and see them and it was awesome seeing like the overwhelming amount of support that they had like all sorts of people from the command and the marine corps and the Navy, everybody was up there to see them. They had a bunch of support. So that was great to see. Like, I mean, they, the kids deserved it. They were so young, dude. That was the, that was the wild part. Like they were, I mean, I was young when this happened to me, but I mean, I was 28 and mm -hmm. they were like 19, 20, 23. Mm -hmm. Like it was fucking crazy. Um, so anyways. Yeah. They're fucking kids, bro. Yeah. And yeah, I'm I'm glad that they had the support they did up there. It was good to see. Um so all of this shit is going on and like I said I was very much a part of that stigma, I was a part of that mentality like just suck it up. Mm -hmm. And it starts hitting me more and more. I'm going through all of these treatments, but it was December of 21 into January of 22 like the it I basically, I went through retirement. I moved out to Montana. I thought that that was going to be my fix, but I was drinking more than ever. I was getting more depressed than ever. And I was just like, I'm done. Like, this is it. So, um, yeah, I, I ended up trying to attempt to kill myself and end it all right there. And, you know, I was just like, we're about to have this kid and I, I can't be like this. I can't be this person and raise a daughter. Mm. Um, well, I didn't know it was going to be a daughter at that time yet, but basically, man, like, I don't know, Fletcher was in there with me, my service dog, and I was in the garage and I was drinking a lot and I ended up, uh, pulling the trigger on my nine mil and I have literally never had a malfunction happen like that. Um, gun Fuck. didn't go bang and there was a round in the chamber and everything. And, uh, I basically took this big sigh and Fletcher came up and was like, what's up, dude? Like, what's going on? Wagging his tail, licking my face. And I was just bawling. And I was like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, I need to get my shit together. And we got invited to this convention, this Legion of Valor. Bro, convention. that was God, man. It like, had like, I don't know. I don't know what you believe. We don't ever talk about that, but that's divine intervention, dude. It was something. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I got you. That means Man. you That means you have a much, much, much bigger purpose here. Real yeah. talk. Yeah. I mean, we've been friends for a long time. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm glad that happened. 
Yeah. I'm glad you're still fucking here. It, bro. it was definitely, you I know, never heard that story before just now. And that's the thing is like, I still feel so like weird. I feel taboo about talking about it because I feel, I don't know, like I'm fucking sweating right now thinking about it yeah. because it's like, I don't want anybody to know that side of, of me, but it's like, why, why not? Like, I think it's important need, for people to hear that. Yeah. It's like, you need to understand that this shit can happen. And when it does happen, like there's so many other fucking people that have been there in your shoes right now. Like all you got to do is reach out and there's going to be somebody right there, either at your fucking doorstep or talking to you all goddamn night long. And like, you just have to fucking tell somebody. And it's like, that's kind of what I want to get across because it's like, whenever I, I ended up going to this Legion of Valor convention, a, a, a convention with all of these like war heroes, all Medal of Honor recipients, Navy Cross, like Service Cross recipients. My goal was to be like, how the fuck are you still alive? I literally, I've gone one year with having this award and I already tried to kill myself. Like, why are you still here? How? Like, how do you live with this? And it's just like, it's just wild to see like that you just have to live. You have to be present. You have to love life and like actually be willing to fucking fight for what you've fought for so long you fought for so fucking hard for all of this shit and it's all fucking worth it and now it's like i'm about to have a daughter and this is something to live for my wife is something to live for my life dude it's a fucking gift like yeah that's why they call it the present it's because living yeah. in the present it's a fucking gift yeah. so um yeah, now I, I feel like, I do feel more obligated to talk about it just because it's like somebody somewhere needs to hear Needs that. to fucking hear it. Yeah, man. Because it's like, I, like I'm supposed, I'm, what I thought is I'm supposed to be this hero with this fucking big metal on my chest and I'm supposed to be bigger and badder than everybody else, but it fucking hurts. And even though we still hold this title and we still have all of this like weight behind us, it's like this shit can still hit us too. And, you know doesn't matter who you are. doesn't wait for anybody. Why do you think it got accelerated after you were recognized for what you did? Or do you think that had anything to do with it? I don't, I don't really know if that had much to do with it. Um, I think it was all building up and, you know, certain instances kept happening. It was just like, I, I don't know. It was just a lot to fucking handle. Okay. Um, yeah. And it's like, I've been, I've been through it before. Like I've dealt with a lot of death, like July mm -hmm. 10th of 2017, we had a plane crash that killed 16 Marines. Um, seven of them were in my company. One of them was one of my best friends. I literally had to go notify his wife that night. I had to get dressed up in my uniform and go there. And I was actually my best friend, Talon Leach. Um, so I had to go tell his wife that he's never coming home. And it's like, that shit only happens in movies. I've never... Like I've literally watched movies of dudes going to knock on doors yeah. in their fucking alpha service uniform. And it's just like, never in my life did I think that was me. And what did I do the week after that? I went to the shoot house. Like we went right back to training and it was like, okay, let's go to work. Mm -hmm. Like I, we were just so good at compartmentalizing because we had to like turn it back on like mm -hmm. in an instant. And it's the same fucking thing in the real world. It's like, well, I got to go back to work. Like, this person just passed away. This, this just happened to me. I got in a fucking crazy car accident, but it's like all of these things in life, they continue to build and build and build. But it's like, if we just keep shoving it down and not doing anything about it, that's when it becomes such a detriment to your mental health. And mm -hmm. it's like, you have to address it. You have to be willing to talk about it. You have to be willing to sit with it and feel it. And like, 
I mean, since my last surgery in July of 2022, uh, I've, I stopped drinking. So I've been sober for a year and two months now. That's awesome. And it's been the best thing that's ever fucking happened to me. Yeah. Because bro. now I can literally sit there and feel my th- feel my feelings, like feel my thoughts and all of this shit. And it's just like it's it's hard. Yeah. But it's it's real. It's me. It's like this is all me now. Yeah. So. Yeah, alcohol is um, a fucking killer, bro. It is. Like, yeah. I grew up just like you, doing the 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 drinking and you know smoking weed and fucking running around getting in fights and doing all that shit. And. Dude, I spent a lot of years in the alcohol. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and dude, once I cut it out for the most part, because I mean, dude, I might drink like twice a year now. It doesn't, uh, your life gets way better, dude. Yeah. It's way better, especially if you're carrying a lot of weight. You know, when I have people that come to me and they're struggling, the first thing I tell them, I said, bro, stay away from alcohol and control what you can control. Those are the two things I tell anybody when they come to me. Fuck. So, so what? What? What is? What is Nick Jones doing now? What's the? You know, where? Where? Where are we at today? Yeah. So currently, um, I'm the president and founder of a nonprofit called Talons Reach Foundation. Um, we support special operators who have been morally, mentally, or physically wounded. So it doesn't have to be related to combat. Doesn't have to. You don't have to have a Purple Heart. You don't have to have a Valor Award. Um. It's some sort of moral, mental, or physical injury, kind of just like what I just said. We bring guys out to Montana. We have a five-day-long systematic approach to healing. Um, we do all sorts of different holistic methods to healing. So we we introduce them to yoga, mindfulness, meditation, breath work, art therapy, music therapy. We get them outdoors. We immerse them into nature. We basically get them to get their mind off of fucking everything else that's going on in life. But then we do the hard work, which is the education piece. So we teach them about traumatic brain injury, PTSD, uh, this other term called operator syndrome, which is basically like hypervigilance, anxiety, depression, anger, all of this shit crammed into one thing that creates like a dysfunctional dysfunctional type of operator um, that is like... Most people either think that they are suffering from PTSD or TBI and now they've basically join those two and it's just like it might be this um so we teach about all of that stuff and basically what happens to the brain when trauma strikes and ways to mitigate those um basically got on this path because talk therapy going to the psychologist like sitting in a fucking four wall white room with one person that just like never understood would always fucking every time i came back it's like so tell me about yourself. Yeah, it's like, bro. dude, I just fucking told you my story a hundred times. When yeah. are we going to move on from this? Yeah. And their candy's always shit. That's the worst <laughs> part about it. Like, it's always they always got bullshit candy. Like, give, yeah. at least have the real shit. If yeah, I'm a big, tags. I'm a dance. I'm a, I'm not an advocate for that sort of therapy. Right. I feel like, and I've experienced plenty of it. No, uh, believe it or not. Yeah, <laughs> some of you motherfuckers think I still need it. I probably do, but the reality is, is uh, you know, I feel like most of the therapy out there has has become less about solving people's problems and more about maintaining a customer base, and that's what I noticed. You mm-hmm. know, um, so I think it's cool that you're doing it this alternative way. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, that's awesome. It, it's man. been cool, man. Uh, we've ran three programs so far. We've helped. Um, 17 special operators we've got our uh fourth one coming up 
So it's it's been amazing, man. The the outcomes that we've had, like the success stories that we've had, and it's like we don't prescribe, we don't treat, we don't like we're not fixing, we're educating and we're kind of guiding them through and showing them the tools, giving them the resources. And like I mean, man, you'd be surprised. Like dudes that come there and they're like super down sad like everything life is out to get me and then they come back and they they reach out and they're like dude like i've never been fucking happier like now they do art therapy or just yeah. do art in they general. found they, other ways to deal yeah, with this stuff. exactly and it's yeah. like dude like the only coping ne- mechanism that we really understand how to do is fucking drink and yeah. fight and yeah. just like take this prescription medication yeah like well that's bullshit yeah yeah so it, it's been amazing, man. Um, we've been a nonprofit now for two and a half years. Um, and we just hired our first employee. So it's been pretty fucking cool. Uh, yeah, man, we're growing. We're, we're, I'm loving it. And yeah. it's like, kind of like what you said, like I needed to find my, my purpose after lo- what I thought, like losing my identity, losing my purpose. And it's just like, when this shit happened, it's like, dude, I, I have found something that really drives me and it's like, I don't have to get paid to do what I love. Um, and I, I don't get paid. So it's amazing that I can really share my story and let these dudes have this safe space, become vulnerable and really fucking heal and like actually work on themselves from the inside rather than like just telling dudes like I used to be like, all right, dude, like, I'm sorry that happened to you, but like, try again next time yeah. do better fucking suck it up work yeah. harder like sometimes it's not the fix sometimes it's not that easy so it's been it's been amazing um really looking forward to seeing how how it continues to grow because we have like we have a pretty big vision and what's the big vision so eventually we want to acquire our own land our own like facility out there in montana um, we want to be able to run at least one program a month. Right now, we're about three programs a year. So mm-hmm. um, funding, personnel, logistics, all that stuff kind of comes into play. Um, but what we wanted to really do was like dial in a quality program rather than like bump out like a bunch of like quantity and like, like right. let's help a bunch of dudes right off the bat. It's like I want to help guys, but I want to make sure it's a quality program. Yeah, you want to make sure you actually help them. Yes. Because if you don't and they come to the program and it doesn't help them, they think they're unhelpable. Exactly. Right. Yeah. They'll start blaming themselves. Yeah. It makes it worse. Yeah. So we want to be able to be able to do all this shit in-house. We want this facility. We want to be able to have staff on hand do one program every month and then eventually have some sort of like longer term treatment, if you will, um, of like a four to six week program. So then guys that need extra help or maybe who are suffering from some sort of substance abuse or just want to fucking really immerse and like heal, um, we'll have that availability. We'll have like all sorts of like cold plunge, hot tubs, yeah, um, uh, float tanks, like all sorts of different things. So then it's just like the tools. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, you never know what's going to help. You never know what's going to stick. And it's really hard for like a, a a special operator who's got this fucking ego to walk into some yoga studio or to some 
like meditation room and it's just like all right like i'm fucking here i'm like all juiced up right now like, who's gonna fuck with me right now who's gonna laugh at me and i'm gonna fight yeah, ass. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like we want to give them and have that fucking sanctuary it's like you can still be this humble warrior who's still ready to fucking turn it on but who also understands how to sit down calm down and like really like get deep and get within so um yeah we've got We've got some big plans. I mean, might take a while, but we'll get there. I love this, dude. Yeah. I love this. Like, I'm so glad you came on the show, dude. Yeah. That, like, I'm I've... so glad. You're, dude, you're a fucking real fucking man. Like, that's real man shit. Like, what you've done and what you're doing and how you've overcome and what you're doing now to help people deal with that issues, you know, the issues that you've experienced. I mean, bro, that's that's what it's about, bro. It's fucking man. good work, man. I appreciate that. Yeah. How can people get involved with this program? So we've got a website, uh, www.talonsreachfoundation.org. Uh, we've got social media, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. But on there, we've got like volunteer applications. Um, my email is just nick at talonsreachfoundation.org. How do you spell uh, the website? Talons. So T-A-L-O-N-S, Reach. Okay. R-E-A-C-H, and then foundation. You named that after your buddy. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool, man. Yeah. And so there's like several metaphors, I guess, because we call all of our participants eagles that mm -hmm. come through. Um, and it's just like, you know, there's no better reach than like the eagle itself. Like mm -hmm. we have such a fucking powerful grip. And like if you ever looked up an, an eagle and their grip strength, it's, it's pretty fucking intense. But it's like if you think about it, like I'm – senior or junior man in the team it's like i have the power i have the reach to either like fucking reach out and help somebody or reach down and pick somebody up and it's just like i don't know like i, I come up with all of these different things to, to yeah. talk about it but it's like i mean that means you're a natural born brander bro it's good stuff <laughs> yeah yeah i'm trying i guess yeah you're doing great but um yeah it's just you know i i even called talon's dad and i told him about it and I was like, look, this is what I have. I have this idea. I was like, there's by no means do I want to benefit off of your son or use your son's name in these certain ways. But like, this is what makes sense to me. This is what we're trying to do. And I think that this is how we can help the most people. And this is what I want to name it. I want to name it Talon's Reach. And he was like, fuck, bawling. And so he's come to almost every like fundraiser that we've had and stuff. He actually lives in uh, Fulton, Missouri. Oh, no shit. Right down so, the road. Yeah. Okay. So um yeah his name's tab he he's an awesome awesome human that's awesome but uh yeah man it's it's cool i don't remember what i was just talking about i kind of got off on a rant yeah, i think we were just <laughs> getting you yeah. know getting the full story dude yeah i mean look man that's an incredible story i mean you guys who listen to the show know that i don't often get quiet like that like uh and i've never heard this story from you you know i i knew that there i knew you know you sent me that video that one time and i watched that and we talked a little bit about it but I mean, that's an incredible story, bro. That's I, I, I love that how, like, in such a short amount of time, I think that's what people tend to uh, underestimate is, like, you know, in such a short amount of time, how much progress you can actually make, you know? And it's not like this was a 10-year, ten, ten I mean, dude, this is recent. Yeah. You know, and I, I applaud you, bro, because I think that's just fucking awesome. 
I think it's awesome. I also think it serves as a real example of like what real trauma yes. and what these things, like these terms are thrown around so often. Right. You know, oh, my boss was mean to me. I'm traumatized. Let me go to like, my safe space. Holy shit, man. No. Like, listen to what's going on here. Yeah. You know what I mean? This is, it's powerful shit, bro. I, I really, really, really commend you for doing what you're doing. And I think it's fucking awesome. Thanks, man. And, uh, I'm I'm super thankful that you were willing to come on the show and share that story. I think it's going to help a lot of people, and I hope you guys will. Uh, I hope you guys will support my man here and what he's trying to do. I can vouch for this dude a thousand percent. I've known him for a long time. He's a great fucking human being, and um, I'm really fucking proud to be your friend, bro. Thank Real you. Talk. So I'm super grateful for you. Yeah, I really appreciate you having me here. Yeah, bro. Anytime for real. So you ready to talk some shit on the government? Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great transition. All right. Great. Fucking transition, man. <laughs> hey, guys, it is CTI, man. So let's get into this. Uh, remember, if you want to see any of these articles, pictures, links, videos, go to andyfacella.com. You can find them there. Or if you're watching on YouTube, jump down in the description below. You can find them linked there as well. Uh, so with that being said, man, let's 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 get right into it. Yeah. Headline number one. Um so this is an updated story. Uh, it's been the talk of the town. Everybody's been on it. Um, headline number one reads, uh, Escaped murderer Danilo Cavacante survived only on watermelon for two weeks, hid poop under leaves, and reveals how uh, just how close cops came to catching him. Have you guys been seeing this? There's been so it's been a big big talk, right? It's been a big deal. Is this um, the one where they took the picture with the guy? Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, so captured criminal Danilo uh, Cavacante told cops he survived for nearly two weeks on stolen watermelon, um, and that officers scouring heavy Pennsylvania underbrush for him had gotten so close they nearly stepped on him three times. Um, the 34-year-old convicted killer uh, was quote brutally honest. After he was uh, apprehended Wednesday morning, sharing how he even buried his poop to avoid getting tracked. U.S. Marshal Robert Clark told News Nation, quote, he did say on three occasions, law enforcement officers did almost step on him. Uh, they were about seven to eight yards away from him, Clark said. Uh, Cavalcante, who escaped from Chester County Prison on August 31st, had just been sentenced to life for stabbing his ex-girlfriend to death in front of their two uh, young children in 2021. Uh, prosecutors are expected to levy additional charges for crimes he committed during his 14 days on the run. Um, and continues saying, after crab walking up and over a pair of close-set walls um, and escaping jail, Cavalcante told police he was able to survive for days eating watermelon he'd stolen from nearby farm. Uh, the escapee drank water from a stream, hid within dense brush, and only moved at night uh, to cover his track. He had his feces under piles of leaves. Now, this is what he looks like um, when they captured him. Um, he definitely uh, had a nice run around Pennsylvania um, over those 14 days. He did all this on foot? On foot. Damn. Yeah, he was moving. Moving. Do we know, like, this guy have training or something? I don't know, man. I, I don't know. And, I mean, you know, Pennsylvania brush is pretty pretty deep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it can get pretty yeah. rough out there. You know, uh, so, I mean, I don't know if if those, uh, 
I don't know if that's like branches that did that to him. I'm, oh, I'm sure it was the branches. <laughs> had to be branches. Yeah, it definitely wasn't. It definitely wasn't the Bro, the out. amazing <laughs> officers of Pennsylvania. Yeah, definitely the branches. <laughs> but uh, but dude, he's acting, so there's been a lot of heat. So the picture that Andy was referring to, this picture here, um, that was posted when they when they finally caught this guy has been circulating and going around. Um, but he's getting a lot of heat. Like all these officers, they're getting a lot of heat on it. Uh, Why? People are furious, Andy. Uh, people are furious that Pennsylvania police took a photo with the captured convict Danello Cavacante. Uh, two people posted on X, formerly known as Twitter. Pause. Why do they keep having to say that? Like, because it, it's not sticking. Is that what? Like, is that yeah, having to remind people? Or like, like, what do you what do you do when you post on on X? What do you mean? Well, like I post. Listen, I, this I is X. branding. We talked about branding yeah, a minute yeah, ago. Yeah. This is branding one hundred and one. Okay, you have Twitter and you make a tweet. Mm-hmm. All right. A tweet is a verb. Mm-hmm. Right. All right. It's an action. Now you have X. They didn't think this through. I told you this when they did it. <laughs> you have X. Now what do you do on X? Yes. You make an X. Execute. Do, execute. Execute. All right. Look. See, Nick, I told you. He's Nick is natural born branding genius. They need to sign me. That's right. God damn it. That's actually pretty fucking good. <laughs> but yeah, they got to come up with something. That's yeah. a, that's the best one I've heard. That's the best it's one like, I've heard. Yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, but yeah, so a couple people went to to, to X uh, saying this one person says, "quote A T- couple people executed." Yeah, a couple people executed go. on Twitter. Oh shit, they're gonna get shut it down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Two people executed. These motherfuckers are definitely turning us to yellow for no reason again, bro. Uh, but some people saying that basically uh, th- this person said, uh, cannot believe I have to explain why this is inappropriate, referring to the cops' behavior following the inmates' capture. Another poster, they call him a, like, see, it just doesn't make sense. Another Xer uh, said taking a photo with the escapee was wild, while another called it truly embarrassing. Now, what's embarrassing about that? I don't, yeah, I don't get it. I mean, like, here, here's the thing. I think there's a common thing that we keep trying to make these criminals be these like, you know, oh, they were on honor roll in second grade and they, you know, they helped tie somebody's shoes when they were, you know, eight years old. It's like, fuck that. This dude is a convicted murderer, right? Like, I don't, bro, if they would have held him upside down and, and took his lunch money, I would have been okay with it. You know, like, why do we keep giving so much sympathy? I would have been okay with it. They shot him in the fucking head. Like, I wouldn't, like. You're a murderer. Yeah. Like, dude, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, dude, we're talking about. Yeah. This, this attitude around sympathy for violent criminals it's got to stop dude it has to stop people don't understand because they have good hearts and they have good minds and they wouldn't do bad stuff they assume that anybody who does bad stuff is some sort it was like an accident or it was a mistake or it was something bro there are evil people out here that will just fucking straight up kill you and you guys like make excuses for him all day long, and then until it hits you, yep. right? Like that uh, congresswoman in Minnesota, or where I think it was Minnesota, wasn't it? Where yep. she she was talking about you know sympathy for criminals, and then she gets carjacked in her own driveway. You know, I don't get it. I don't understand. Yeah, I don't understand. <laughs> what, the, these people are criminals. Yep. Like these are not good people. These are not people that have things like empathy and care and like. Do the right thing ingrained. Like, how hard is this to understand that there are people like this that, that exist? That exist. Like, why are we advocating for people that are disrupting society and causing harm and, and, and sympathizing for them and making excuses for them? Why are we doing this? It's absurd shit. I don't get it. 
I don't get it. Now, here, now here's one more interesting take on this thing, right? Uh, and I saw this, and I, I had to go verify it for myself, okay? Um, but if you go to uh, Pennsylvania Department of Corrections, okay, uh, they have this M- uh, inmate or parolee locator, right? You search this guy up. Um, and I did. I pulled him up because I've been seeing this thing, and, and you know, I've been seeing there, there's been this increasing trend of how they label the ethnicity of people. Okay. Um, so, you know, th- this is, this is Danilo, right? That's him. Okay. Uh, Danilo Cavacante. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's see what they labeled him in for the inmate details. Ooh, race, ethnicity, white. Hmm. Nothing weird there. Now again, guys, check for yourself. Take the inmate number. Go to that website. We'll link it down below. Um, but I think that there's a very sinister thing, and the only reason I bring this up because I feel it's important to call this stuff out uh, for what it is is, is is BS, and you know it's it's messed up what they're trying to do. But they're trying to paint the picture. You know, Danilo Sousa Calvacante, Hispanic male. They're labeling him as white to increase. The white crime statistics statistics. on white crime. That's right. To justify taking guns. And to justify the narrative of white supremacy. Being the biggest threat. And domestic terrorism. And also, let's just stop and be real honest about this. What if this exact guy, because let's be real, bro. Like, on the spectrum, Mm -hmm. like, Hispanic's kind of in the middle of black and white. All right? Let's be real. Like, um, what if they took this guy? What if they were taking all of these... Latin American or foreign non-white criminals and they were labeling them black. What if they were doing that? What would the narrative be then? All right, there's a racial double standard in this country that people refuse to acknowledge. Even the statement of people of color is exclusive of white people only. Yeah. It's it's made to say everybody but white people. Mm-hmm. And that's that. That's a big problem. And there is a problem and a very open anti-white bias. And there has been for a long time. This isn't new. This didn't just happen in 2020. This has been going on my entire life. White people have never been able to say the things that other races can say. We can't say, hey, I'm proud to be white. I'm not proud to be white because I don't give a fuck about being white. Because, And you know why, I'm not, why I don't give a fuck about being white? Because I've never been allowed to give a fuck about being white. Mm-hmm. Okay, so when we think about what's actually going on and we think about the racism that's actually happening, let's have an objective look at what they're actually doing. They're creating crime data that doesn't exist to push a narrative that isn't true, to get people to exclude this one particular race. And if you were to say people of color and it included white people, but not Latin American people or not Mexican people, we would call that racism. Mm -hmm. If, if we said people of color and we just said, well, the color black isn't a color, the color black is the, the one that we're not talking about, that would be called racism. But because it's white people, no one calls it racism. And no one wants to stand up and say what the fuck it is. I'm not advocating for, like, I actually believe that nobody should really put their identity in their race at all. I never did. Even, I know you did. Like didn't. in high school and shit, like, I, I just put human. Like, legit. Like, it's on all my tests, all of that. Dude, if race is your identity, you're not a very sophisticated human being. You're a low IQ person. Like, if that, you were born that way. 
You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, there's nothing you didn't do anything. Yeah. yeah. Right. It's not like you, you worked really thing. hard. It's like, you know, yeah. yeah, yeah you know. There's nothing to brag about about someone's race. <laughs> no. And it's very easy for me to see that because I've never been able to brag about my race. But if you say that to a lot of black people or you say that to a lot of Hispanic people, it doesn't make sense to them because they've never dealt with that. And that's a real thing about race that's going on. If we want to remove racism, we have to remove all the racism. Yep. And we have to get rid of all of it. Like this is this is an this is a very nefarious example of what they do to push these racial division agendas that are not good for anybody. Like, dude, this isn't good. We're supposed to judge each other on the content of our character. We're supposed to say, hey, I don't care if you're black or you're white or you're brown or you're yellow or you know, you anything else. We're supposed to say, what kind of person are you? Are you a good person or are you not a good person? Are you, uh, do you contribute or do you, do you hold a high moral standard? Do you try hard? Like, do you treat people right? Do you lift people up when they're down or do you, are you a piece of shit? Like that's, that's the America that I want to live in. That's the America that I know. That's the America I grew up in up until, you know, the last 10 years or so where it started to get weird, but you know, yeah, I just, I just thought it was. It was stupid, but like I said, I mean, like it doesn't. You don't. It doesn't do it justice by seeing it and not saying something. So say something. You see something, say something. I call it out. You know. Yeah, brother. Like, look, dude. If we're ever going to solve this problem of division in this country, we have to be honest about where what it actually is and where it comes from. You know, it's not. It's not white people oppressing everybody, bro. If we actually look at what's going on, white people aren't even allowed to say they're. So, like, bro, if you go to the ADL website. Like if you go to the Anti-Defamation League website where most of the narrative comes from around censorship, around what's acceptable socially, okay? If you go to the ADL website, a statement of hate is, is that it's okay to be white. That is marked as a statement of hate. How the fuck is that a statement of hate? You see what I'm saying? It's, it's, like, dude, and this is why you're seeing all this backlash against the ADL on Twitter. Ban the ADL is one of the biggest hashtags for the last two weeks. You have all the big names coming out and talking about it because these people have manipulated social agendas to protect themselves and make everybody else's life fucking chaos. Yep, and I'm not talking about the Jews. I'm talking about the ADL and the people that are there running that. Whoever they are. Yeah. Like these are just this. We have to stop generalizing people as whole groups. Yeah. Like we can't look at one. I don't know what this guy is. Is he Mexican or middle? You know, I don't know what he Latino is. Latino descent. Latino. Okay. We can't look at that and then say all Latinos are bad. Mm -hmm. we, just like we can't look at a black person who does something bad and say all black people are bad, right. or a white person, all white people are bad. But somehow the ADL has everybody convinced that if one Jewish person does something bad, oh, that that means that you're saying it against all the Jews, and right. that's not what anybody's saying. No, that's just their defense mechanism. That's right. Yeah. Very interesting. Guys, jump in on this conversation. Let us know what you guys think. Hashtag bad boys, bad boys. What you gonna do? Let us know what, what you, you think. gonna do. Bro, I'll tell you who I wouldn't want coming for me. That motherfucker. Motherfucker <laughs> 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 standing over caves and shit. Yeah. Okay, okay, what you gonna do? You know? Nick would have found that dude. <laughs> oh it wouldn't have taken fucking no. All these guys whatever, five days. I thought it was crazy how they almost stepped on him. Like that's that's why I wondered if he had any training. It reminds me of sniper school. Yeah. I mean, there's plenty of times when those walkers will come by you and they'll almost step on you. I'm like, I mean, maybe he did have some training. Yeah. 
Maybe. I mean, to know to bury your poop, like that's, does, do normal people know that? I wouldn't have thought of that. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I don't know, man. And if you buried it, what'd you bury it with? Oh, he was barehanded, Fingers, no doubt. Man. Yeah, oh, no man. doubt. He's just, that's what he's wiping with, yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, guys, let's keep the show on the road. It's time to cruise the comments. Let's check in on our daily comments and see where we are. Um, Andy. When wiping your ass with your hand, just kind of smear the shit in? Like, does it actually work? <laughs> Isn't there some cultures in the world that they use their hand? Mm, no, I don't. I think there is. What culture is that? I'm not sure, but I've heard it before. So it must be true. It's got to be What true. is it? Yeah. You're over shaking your head. No, what I, is it? Yeah, I think, there, I think that's a, I think. Oh, uh, yeah. But that's why they, uh, that's why they don't shake with that hand. If you should try to shake with their hand. Yeah. I, definitely I, don't touch your I, fucking I, eye. <laughs> <laughs> Get yourself some pink eye. Yeah. Guys, it's time to uh, cruise the comments. Andy, you got you got something, man. All right. Andy's got mail. That's right. what we need to name this section. All right. You've got mail. Uh, Andy, got a, I got a question for you. I've seen this a few times, uh, and you, you got to answer it right now. Like, right this second. Right this second? Right this second. All right. All right. Comment comes from uh, user <laughs> YT4BY. Yes. Hi, Andy. Stupid question. Uh, but I have to know because it's driving me crazy. Why is the water you're drinking different than the water you advertise. Not trying to be a douche, but uh, just seriously curious. Thank you for being you, dude. You rock. I think they're talking about the peasant water versus the Fiji. Well, that's why. Because <laughs> that shit's peasant water. Yeah. And listen. But every now. Listen, bro, every this is just marketing. I don't sell this shit. <laughs> we, we take the wrappers and fucking stick these on. For the show mm-hmm. you're welcome by the way because these guys fucking in here they do all this hard work to make these things look beautiful mm-hmm. just for you that doesn't change the fact that what's on the inside is shit <laughs> all right so so this is no different than the race example that we were talking about it all looks good on the outside yeah but we don't know what's on the inside i happen to know because i drink this yeah and some days I got to be reminded that, you know, there were days where I couldn't get that Fiji water mm. like today. So I'm reminding myself today what it's like. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Nick, so do you have, do you have like, a, are you like a, a, like a filter purified spring water guy? Man, I am. I'm a water snob now. I drink are some uh, reverse osmosis at the house. Oh, shit. So like You're this definitely yeah. tastes like peasant water. Yeah, you got to get off. <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you nah, said it. It's though. the <laughs> truth. You get this, this shit. We get this shit from Costco. Yeah. We peel the labels off. We put these labels on. Like this is nothing more than to look cool for the show, bro. Just keeping it. it real. That's it. Yeah, hey, bro, we got to get all the atrazine out of the water with that stuff. That's you know right. what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's you can't afford to be fact. growing a vagina around here. You know what I'm saying? I check every day, make sure I'm still good. Yeah. But, dude, real talk, like, honestly, like, <laughs> aside, jokes aside, all right, <laughs> you might have a little bit of one. <laughs> oh, all right, yeah, we're good. I know the day you discover you ain't coming in. <laughs> Look, dude, real talk, here's why I do it. Jokes aside. I really can't tell that big of a difference, all right? <laughs> but the truth is, is that I know how many of those Fiji waters I drink, so it helps me track my water. Yeah. That's why I do it. Yeah, that's so, fair. That's the real it's, answer. What, it's two of those. Four yeah, of those. Uh, I forget what it is, yeah. but it's, I can, it's just, like, I know if I fucking drink a full Fiji during the show, like, I'm doing good on my water intake. Yep. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't make sense. You know, you could just calculate the bottles here, whatever. The shit's cold up there. It's not cold here. It is what it is. Hey. There's no, there's, look, 
hit me with some harder questions. <laughs> all right. Talk some shit. Like I, I want to roast some of you fuckers. All right. Like well, we're gonna get it now. All right. And that's okay. We all we talk shit in good fun. Yeah, no, I'll talk I know good, I know our people are good people. Yeah. But um yeah, that's the real answer. I love it. I love it. Well, guys, remember, we just want to say thank you to all of you guys for being real ass fans. Yeah, and I want to say that too. I want to say thank you. I don't say it enough. You know, we put out these shows. We, we got a good team here. We do a lot of work to put these out. And I realize that you guys have the ability to consume anything that's out there. And it means a lot to me that you guys come on and listen to us talk about real shit that's going on because it fucking matters. And there's a lot of people out there that would rather watch shorts of people eating boogers and fucking unboxing, unboxing, you know, presents or just mindless bullshit. And the fact that our audience actually gives a fuck enough to consume our show multiple times a week at scale, it means a lot, dude. And it tells me a lot about who's out there listening. Like, yeah. I, I, it makes me proud that you guys give a fuck. Yeah, that's real so, shit, man. Well, thank you, guys. Yeah. Uh, so let's get right back into it. Headline number two. Headline number two reads... North Korea's Kim Jong-un to stay in Russia for several days. He's like, it's nice here. Bro, they're having a good time over there. Yeah, they are. <laughs> having Drinking a good all time. that vodka. <laughs> so, so North Korea's leader Kim Jong-un has unexpectedly extended his visit to Russia, uh, where he was meeting President Vladimir Putin for a suspected arms deal. Uh, the pair had discussed possibilities for military cooperation on Wednesday. Uh, Mr. Putin also, quote, gratefully accepted an invitation for Mr. Kim to visit North Korea, a Kremlin spokesperson said. Uh, so a little exchange there. That's cool. Uh, Moscow is buying weapons uh, for its war on Ukraine, and any help would violate U.N. resolutions the U.S. has warned. Uh, Mr. Kim has, uh, was warmly received by Mr. Putin at the uh, Vachkashkini uh, Space Center on Wednesday in Russia's Far East. The North Korean leader spent two days traveling there uh, in his private luxury bulletproof train. Now, have you guys seen pictures of these train? This, this train? Does he not fly? I or mean, is he, he afraid they're going to shoot him down? He has a jet. I mean, he has a big like Boeing business class jet. Yeah. But, um, you know, I don't. I don't think I would be able to do a train, bro. Or at least this one. So, so it's only it only can go thirty one miles an hour because of how heavy it is. So like that's a pretty slow like trek, man. That's like I don't think yeah. I could do it. Taking in all the views. Yeah, I think it was like 800 miles or something from from North Korea to to, to Moscow. I wonder what the purpose of that is. What the of taking the jet? I mean, taking no, the train. Yeah, like is that a security thing? Yeah, I mean, maybe. I, I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know. That but, would suck. Yeah, I mean that that's a long, bumpy, slow ride. You know. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't get it. Um, but the talk of the town between these two meeting, outside of all the political things that I thought was. What's hilarious is that, um, you know, Kim Jong-un, he's a car guy. Oh, he is? He is a car guy. And so is Putin. Really? And so they're going back and forth talking about their uh, presidential limousines. That's what the talk of the whole town was. And so uh, this headline reads, uh, Bizarre moment, Kim Jong-un tests out Putin's armored limo and sits inside it, unlike when he visited Trump and was only allowed to peek inside the beast limousine. Uh, so the, this is the bizarre moment. We got the videos. The, the Vladimir Putin invites Kim Jong-un to sit with him 
in his armored limousine, uh, one-upping Donald Trump, who only allowed the North Korean uh, to peek inside his beast limo in 2018. Uh, Putin and Kim met yesterday at the North Korea-Russia summit to inspect the space launch facilities of the Vachashi Cosmodrome in the Russian Far East. You know what that shit was about, though, right? What's that? Dude, Trump yeah. had some unfinished McDonald's in there, bro. He didn't want <laughs> he didn't want Kim Jong Un touching his chicken nuggets. One, he let one rip right That's, before. Nah, bro. Oh, he, <laughs> he outboxed his own ride. <laughs> don't, don't go too close. Nah, bro. He he had he had nineteen chicken nuggets. He didn't want Kim Jong Un touching them. That's a fucking fact. So so here's a video from 2018. This is Donald Trump and uh, North Korea leader uh, Kim Jong Un. Here, here's a video. That thing's huge. Massive. Massive. So didn't let him in. But Shit, dude. I didn't realize that thing was that big. It's massive. Because Trump's a big dude, bro. Big dude, man. Yeah. That big is dude. huge. That's like a that's like a SUV limo that looks like a car. Yeah, well, here's Putin's. So Putin has uh Aris Sinat. Um, and I think that's actually made by Rolls Royce, I think is It looks the, like a Rolls. Uh who has like a drivetrain and all of that stuff. Yeah. Um so here's a video of those two. I don't know where the uh, audio is. We'll get it plugged in, though. And it's very nice in here. <laughs> I'll voice it over for you guys. But yeah, so that, that's been the talk of the town. Um, but here's the thing. There's been a new development in Ukraine. I thought we watch. Um, I know I got the sound on this one for sure. Um, but Ukraine's transgender spokesperson issues stark warning to Russian propagandists. Uh, quote, all will be hunted down and justice will be served. So let's let's watch this video. <laughs> have, you, have you seen this? this no. no. Like, have you seen him at all? No. Okay. Oh, well, you've never seen the, the transgender spokesperson from no. Ukraine? Oh, okay. <laughs> Here's the clip. <laughs> Shut the fuck up, dude. Bro. Russia hates the truth that their obsessive focus on a Ukrainian volunteer is simply allowing the light of the Ukrainian nation's honesty to shine brightly. Next week, the teeth of the Russian devils will gnash ever harder and their rabid mouths will foam in uncontrollable frenzy as the world will see a favorite Kremlin propagandist pay for their crimes. And this puppet of Putin is only the first. Russia's war criminal propagandist will all be hunted down and justice will be served as we in Ukraine are led on this mission by faith in God, liberty, and complete liberation. You, you're better looking. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, you're much better looking. <laughs> Bro, like, I can't believe this is real life, dude. Dude. This is not real life. This is that's fucking. Real. That's this, real. This is that's satire. A, no, that's real. We'll gnash the teeth. Dude, what the fuck? Look at that Adam's apple, dude. Look at. <laughs> Bro, what are we. What is going on? We somehow crossed into an alternate reality. Dude. Yeah, that, that's who they got, man. That That's the. <laughs> so, so apparently, what? They have a. They have somebody captured already? A Russian propagandist that they're going to execute? Is that what she's saying? Yeah, that's what they're planning on. They haven't captured him just yet. They're working on it, though. Okay. Is what they're saying. Yeah. Just like they're winning the war, huh? Just like they're. Yeah. 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 I don't know, but I mean, <clears throat> back to these beasts. I just thought that was interesting, but. Um, yeah, they basically got an episode of Pimp My Ride going on over in Russia. Bro, right when we're in the White House, what kind of limo are we going to have? Ooh, that's a tough one. Yeah. 
I mean, I think we should go to rolls, bro. I, it has to be rolls. Like, I mean, we need this. It has. It has to. Be, no, it has to be Rolls Royce. It's, like, it's not allowed. I, I do listen. Like, get a Phantom, but like stretch it. Anything out. less for me would be a fucking downgrade. <laughs> if I'm gonna go, if I'm gonna go do that job and take all this shit for everybody, I want to drive what the fuck I want to drive. <laughs> That's real talk. You been into so any any cool cars or anything? What's the coolest thing? Trucks? You got to drive anything? Um, bunch of different armored vehicles. You get to drive uh, a tank. I got to ride in a tank. Didn't get to dri- drive it. That'd be uh, cool. Yeah, that would be cool. No, I'm trying to think, man. My memory doesn't serve me too well every now and then. Well, it's rolls. It ain't Cadillac. No offense, Cadillac. Cadillac makes nice stuff, but man, rolls is rolls. They do make nice stuff, bro. They're, nice the stuff. new es- Sal's got one of the new uh, Escalade V's. Yeah, that thing is fucking nice. Pretty pimp. Sounds badass too. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. how rolls. much? Yeah. <laughs> it makes sense why Kim's got the bulletproof train that he had to take up there. Why is that? Because he's a car guy, so he's like yeah. showing off his train going up there. Yeah, that yeah, that, that does make sense. Yeah, yeah, I'm bringing my train. Yeah, right. Let me see your train. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Yeah. A train. He I probably think travels with a whole bunch of people, though, too, oh, dude. Shit, I bet he shit, travels a whole bunch of soldiers and all that shit. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, he's a weird dude. Dude, he just does things very weird, man. It's like, but you don't expect anything less. Well, dude, he lives in a fucking bubble. Those people aren't allowed to know what's going on in the other, anywhere else in the world, bro. Like, I don't know. I, what do you think he makes of this transgender fucking ukrainian spokesperson <laughs> like dude can we not be real here like can we not be real about how embarrassing that has to be for the people of ukraine like well, he's an american i know that that's a, he's american yes what yes yeah, yeah, yeah. this is an yeah, american, american transgender person that somehow got put into the role of spokesperson for something the territorial defense forces of ukraine like what <laughs> <laughs> what rank is that? What, I, what? What is going on? Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> All right. What else we got? Guys, jump in our comments. Hashtag pimp my ride. Let me know what you guys think. Yeah. Uh, let's get into our final headline. Headline number three. And this is juicy here. Uh, headline number three reads Hunter Biden sues ex Trump staffer tied to laptops dissemination. Now, this is very, very interesting. Um, so do you guys remember, uh, I think it was when we had Eric Schmidt on, um, and we had brought up the, um, we had brought up basically that, uh, screenshot, I'm pulling it up here now, that screenshot. And it has like essentially this tit for tat timeline, right? You're talking about where they had, uh, the, Hunter Biden, there we go. June 7th, FBI realizes document, or I'm sorry. June 7th, FBI releases documents to Congress alleging Biden's took $10 million bribe from Burisma. June 8th, the very next day, uh, Trump, Jack Smith indicts Trump in Mar-a-Lago Doc's case. July 26th, Hunter Biden uh, goes to court and rejects a sweetheart plea deal after it was revealed that DOJ tried to give him blanket immunity for future prosecutions. The very next day, Jack Smith hits Trump again with some more charges. July 31st, Hunter Biden's former business partner testifies to Congress that Joe Biden 
was on over 20 calls with his son's business partners that Burisma execs pressured them to fire the prosecutor. You also have Joe Biden on TV bragging about that. And then the very next day, you have Jack Smith indicting Trump again for mm-hmm. January 6th. Yeah, so it's like tit for tat thing, mm-hmm. right? Now, this came out, um, the lawsuit was initiated on Wednesday. But what happened Tuesday? Oh, they announced the impeachment inquiry for Joe Biden. And then now he's coming out and again, trying to hit on somebody's, uh, on, on one of Trump's team. Um, <clears throat> but that's not just it, right? So there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, Matt Gates, you know, he throws, you know, uh, the Speaker of the House throws him under the bus saying like, hey, either do this or you're out. Um, you got all these articles being written questioning whether Joe Biden is fit to run. Um, and this is all liberal left media that's throwing them under the bus, right? Um, and then it comes out. We got some breaking news. You got to do your thing. Oh, it is? Yeah. Are we doing it again? I mean, I, I mean, I think it's fair. Fuck, I forgot how it goes. It's been so long. We got breaking news. Breaking news. A breaking news headline reads, Hunter Biden indicted on federal gun charges. So this just comes out. This, this just came out. This is hot off the press uh, while we're recording. Um, Hunter Biden just got indicted on those uh, three felony uh, gun charges. So he gets indicted on federal gun charges, but none of the not for stuff. taking millions of dollars for policy decisions that are affecting the well-being of our country. Is this going to be what they use to just, like, hopefully sweep all of this under the rug, hope everybody forget about it? Like, don't pay attention to all the millions of dollars of bribes over here. We got him on the gun charges, and he's facing, like, 25 years or something like that. Like, I mean, what's the angle here? I don't know. It feels like, you know, the heat's been turned up so high on Hunter Biden and Joe Biden that they just want to hook him into something so that people will be like, all right, we got him, and then forget about the real shit that's going on. Yeah, that's how That's what it feels like. Yep. You know, these people, these judges and, you know, people think it's Democrat, Republican. These people are all playing together, man. So what they're doing is they're having a conversation on the backside saying, hey, this is hot. We have to do something. We have to relieve some of this pressure. And then they're saying, "Okay, well, you know, we can do the gun stuff. Right. Yeah, that'll stick. Yeah. And that way we don't have to blow the whistle on all the stuff that all of us actually do. And that doesn't come out in the wash. So we could just stick him with these gun charges. He's going to have to eat that. But that way we protect our our livelihood. Yeah. You know, and I'm not a lawyer, right? But, like, I was looking into some of the, like, I looked into the lawsuit and all of that stuff. And, like, dude, the, all the, the hang-up with all of this stuff, like, he's suing um, the guy uh, who put all of that stuff out on Marco Polo, right? He uploaded the entire uh, contents of all the, uh, of Hunter Biden's laptop was all uploaded and obviously censored out some of the stuff, right? Whether it was faces or, you know, credit card numbers. Or well, that's because there penises. were minors. There right. were naked minors on the photos. Dude, it's, it's people don't real people don't realize what's actually on that laptop. It ain't like, just the gun charges. No. It ain't just that. No. And it's not just some crazy pictures of Hunter Biden smoking crack. Like there's way more on there. Way and it's worse. that people aren't even talking about. That hasn't been covered by the media. Right? So it's like they're showing a little bit but they don't want to show the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, here's the thing. The Pandora's box is open at this point. Um, you know, but, you know, looking all into this stuff and, like, you know, what they're arguing, it's like, you know, people got to remember how he got here. He dropped a laptop off to be serviced 
at Mac, uh, the Mac store, right? And he left it there. He didn't pay for a service. It was unpaid, and he left it there, right? The owner contacted him multiple times over the course of 90 days, right, to, hey, come get your laptop. More importantly, pay me for my services, and Hunter Biden never did. Now, he signed a document that was an agreement between the laptop store and Hunter Biden saying that, hey, any property left after 90 days, unpaid, becomes my property. So he's like Hunter Biden is now suing all of these people saying they used his information. Like, no, that's no longer yours. You, you, you've abandoned it. It's gone. Right. <clears throat> which which is another reason why none of this stuff is really sticking in court. Um, but these gun charges that are coming up. They're saying that uh, the trials and all of that stuff probably won't get going until uh, right in the heat of the election cycle. Um, so that'll be very, very interesting to see how that plays out. I think they're going to drop Biden before before then. It feels that way. You know, it feels like the whole left media is starting to turn on Joe Biden. Um, you know, I've said this on the show many, many times. We have to understand what Joe Biden's role has been. His role was not to come in and lead the country to a great place and, you know, unite the country, which is what he com- campaigned on. It's not Bidenomics. It's not any of this shit. Here's what his role was. His role was to come in, do all the terrible shit that needed to be done to destroy this country. Open the borders, keep them open, shut down the oil production, shut down uh, fuel uh, independence, uh, allow the crime in the, in the big cities to go crazy, to do all these things, right? Send all of our taxpayers' money to Ukraine. Because had we had someone who was competent, or had we had someone who appeared to be competent, the things that Joe Biden has done would have been revolted against. And the only grace that he's being given right now is that he's old and senile and potentially just stupid. When in reality, he's not stupid at all. He's running the play as he's having the play dictated to him to run. Because we all know he's not running shit. This guy's not sitting in the back making decisions. There's nothing going on with this guy. This guy is a scapegoat. He's a pawn to serve a purpose, to get as much damage as possible so that there wouldn't be a revolt because people will say, well, he's just stupid. He's just old. He's just senile. You know, we got to get him out of here because he he's so, he you know, shits his pants or whatever embarrassing stuff this guy has done. And if we had a competent person in here doing making these decisions, it would be very clear to everybody that the person who was competent making these decisions was actually acting against the interests of our country as a whole. So, yeah. So, like, this is he's played his role like he's done all the bad shit. He's done all made all the decisions that need to be made to, to destroy and demoralize and start to destabilize this country from a communist standpoint, which. Then he's tight. Well, how do you know Joe Biden's a communist? Well, he's taken millions and millions and millions of dollars allegedly from China, from our biggest fucking enemy. So what are we talking about here? This is we are occupied. We've been occupied. He's not compromised. He's a fucking traitor. That's real shit. That's real shit. Nick, I want I want to get you your 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 take on this, man. <clears throat> you know, as a veteran, right? Uh, you took an oath to defend this country, right? Against all enemies, foreign and domestic. What is your view on from, you know, how long has it been since you've been uh, or since you went in, what, you know, 15 years now? Uh, 2010 is when I went in. Okay. So, under, so 13 you know, years. Yeah. yeah. Um, what, how, what, what was your perception then of, of the state of the union, why you were going in, what you were fighting for compared to what you see now 
Where what what's the difference? Where are you where were you at then? Where where are you at now? When I joined, man, I wasn't really in for the the politics. I wasn't really in for that. It was like fighting for the dudes that it, the people that I loved. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I guess as a guy on the ground, sometimes it's more so about the fight. It's more about like the dudes to the left and your right. And then once you start moving up in the ranks, it's like, oh wow, like politics, like the the big guys in in the big house have a lot to say with what we do, uh, because. When you're overseas and you're targeting bad guys, you're actually doing the job in different countries. You have to have different levels of approval to go do offensive operations. And there are several levels of approval that go straight up to the big dogs at the White House. And there are certain instances where there's like obvious bad shit going on and you're like, I need to go take care of this. And they fucking turn you down. And it's like, we're just letting terrorists walk around on the streets over there as well as here in the states Mm -hmm. and it's it's bleeding over and it it shows man and it's like i mean i joined under the obama administration and then in um 2016 trump was elected and it was actually pretty wild because like our pay increased our equipment got better we actually got like my whole team finally got outfitted with certain gear that we had been missing forever and then 2020 happens and it's like, where did the missions go? Where are we, what are we doing now? Like, what the fuck is happening? Um, and once I got removed from that, it's like now I, I still continue to see like, it's like a downfall in, in special operations. Like they're still doing work, but it's it's kind of sad to see like the levels of approval that have to happen to just kill one bad guy that's doing an obviously bad fucking thing um so i never reached like a very like high level in the staff positions to get involved into politics but it was um i mean you could definitely see it when we're out there trying to fight and it's like what do you mean i have to get a fucking general level of approval to drop a bomb on this guy for doing something bad or i have to let him go right yeah Yeah. it's like who else is he gonna like how many other levels like it's everything has a second and third order effect and it's like i learned about that at a young age and it's just like you do one thing that could literally trickle and cause so many different fucking waves and it's like you let one bomb maker go and now it's like now you're killing several other americans or Mm -hmm. you're fucking like now this dude is going to train somebody who's going to go into the united states and do something fucking bad there and it's Mm -hmm. just like i don't know man like it's hard um, to really understand like what you're fighting for at times because it's like you want to say that it's it's for the dude to the left and your right and then it's like you're over there fighting and then you get called to either do something fucking weird or go watch something specific and it's like I don't know um, sometimes it's a it's little a lot to dissect skewed yeah 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 I think a lot of guys feel that way bro a yeah. lot of guys who have served over the last you know, 20 years, 23 years, say the same thing, man. Even even more, you know, like a lot of these guys, I was talking to Greg Anderson, a lot of these guys feel like they served for the actual bad guys. And like that would be a, that's that's a hard thing, I think, for a lot of people to, to deal with, you know. Um, I see, I hear it all the time though. Yep. I mean, like e- either openly, like Greg will post about it openly, that's why I don't, 
mind saying it, but you know, a lot of guys will say it privately. Yeah. It's real shit, man. It's just, it's, it's sad to see that. Like, I, I don't feel like this is the same America that, you know, those guys have fought for 20 years ago. Well, I, I think it's, a, I think it's, a, I think an important question for us to actually ask is did that other America ever actually exist? Was that even real? Well, that's what I'm saying, because the only reason that we know what's actually going on now is because of the Internet. So how much easier would it have been to hide the actual narratives when the Internet didn't exist and just convince everybody here that everything we did was noble and just and right? When in reality, we don't know if that's the case or not. Yeah, that's real shit, man. That's real. All right, well, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll stay updated. I mean, like I said, this this uh, Hunter Biden indictment just came down. We'll see what happens with that. Um but uh, guys, jump in on this conversation. Let us know what you think. Uh, hashtag don't drop the soap. That's what we're hoping for. So <laughs> let's, uh, let's, let's, let's keep going, man. We got our final segment of the show, guys. As always, we have our thumbs up. We're dumb as fuck. This is where we bring a headline up. We vote on it. to get one of those two options. Uh, so with that being said, our thumbs up or dumb as fuck headline reads, Iowa's Cade McNamara loses it over word choice while talking Western Michigan's defense. Not expecting that. Uh, this is it's just the immaturity in me. But I thought this was fucking hilarious. So uh, let's just dive into it. Uh, so Iowa Hawkeyes quarterback Kate McNamara learned about phrasing on Tuesday as he conducted his media availability ahead of the team's game against Western Michigan. Uh, McNamara has helped guide Iowa to the number 25 spot in the latest Associated Press Top 25. Um, he was talking about the Broncos' defense and his expectations when he started to laugh. Uh, let's watch this interview. I think, you know, our level of communication up front and me with me, the backs, and, you know, really everyone just being on the same page because we know these guys are going to come uh, a lot. I mean, there's – that was – <laughs> but uh, – I mean, we have to be on key with our hots. We got to be on key with our protection. So, <laughs> <laughs> damn it, uh, I was not expecting that. But yeah, we'll, we'll be. <laughs> so what he's saying is the Broncos defense going to bring a big load. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's fucking funny, like, dude. Come on, man, get your mind out the gutter. No, dude. bro, that's great. That's real, dude. That's funny as shit. That makes me instantly. Instantly this dude. Come, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so gotta be on the hots and have protection. Oh. oh my god, dude, that's fucking good. I thought that was great. Yeah, I thought that was. It was just so innocent. Instant fan. Yeah, yeah that's what I'm saying. Instant like fan. Right, that's Kate. funny, dude. I'm with it. He just seemed like he ate a gummy and then went to that interview and was just. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man, that's what bro, you could else. see it on his face as he as he was saying it, yeah. dude. Like it, it, there was like a delayed reaction. He knew exactly what he the, knew exactly yeah. what happened. Yeah. That's fucking funny, dude. <laughs> so what are we giving it? That's thumbs up, bro. Thumbs, thumbs up. up. Yeah, yeah. with that, yeah. that's right. good stuff. Well, guys, Nick, man, that's all I got. Yeah, guys, uh, Nick, thank you so much for coming on the show, bro. Thank you for everything you're doing. Uh, hit everybody with the website one more time before we jump off, where they can get 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 involved with what you're doing. Yeah, it's talonsreachfoundation.org. Cool. Guys, make sure you uh, give this man some love and support. He's on Instagram. What's your Instagram handle? It is Nick Jones. It is Nick Jones. It is Nick Jones? Super or basic. Like, yeah. It is. Like, it is like spelled out. 
Like, Got it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I was just I was just clarifying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's a good question. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it is Nick Jones or it is Nick at, Jones? It is Nick Jones. There we go. Yeah. That's yeah. what I was missing. All right. All right, guys. <laughs> Thanks uh, for tuning in. Thanks for the support. Uh, make sure we pay the fee. Don't be a hoe. Share the show. Sleeping on the floor, now my jewelry box froze Fuck a bowl, fuck a stove, counted millions in the cold Bad bitch, booted swole, got her on bankroll Can't fold, dust a no, headshot, case closed